All right, good morning, church. Happy July 4th day. <laughs> I got nothing, you know. Happy July 4th day, Independence Day. There you go, there you go, celebrate that. We know we have a lot of people watching online because uh, you're not here. And so we know you're watching online, whether you're on the coast or uh, in the mountains or just relaxing somewhere, but we're glad you're here today in person as well. And uh, we are blessed to live in the greatest nation on the earth. Can I get a second to that? Now, we know this nation that we live in is not without flaws and blemishes because it, is, it was formed by human beings and run by human beings, and we are all flawed and sinful, right? But we also, as Christians, followers of Jesus, have a dual citizenship. We are citizens of the United States of America and also citizens of heaven, right? And today we celebrate the birth of our nation that enables us to live in freedom, the freedom to come and worship uh, here this morning. As citizens of heaven, we celebrate every day that Jesus Christ died to set us free. So today we celebrate the freedom of our nation. Every day we celebrate the freedom that comes to believers in Jesus Christ. We need to understand that our primary citizenship is in heaven. The Bible teaches us that. But just because our earthly citizenship is not ultimate doesn't make it unimportant. And being a citizen, the Bible is clear that we need to live under the rule of law. We need to respect authority and leaders, even if we disagree with their policy or their politics. You know, Jesus demonstrated respect for government. The, the, the horrible, oppressive Roman Empire that he lived under, served under, he still showed respect. What he said, give to Caesars what is Caesars and give to God what is God. You know, so we live in this land. You know, we should receive government, uh, our nation, its history as one of God's good gifts, a gift of creation, right? I believe that God appoints leaders for good and that government is part of God's creation, the gift of God, the rule of law. And America, we know as a nation, is a gift to the world. This year, uh, in 2021, the USA will give away $50 billion in foreign aid. You know, $50 billion that will help the world be a better place. The Bible says where much is given, much is expected. You know, one of the agencies that I follow is the World Food Program because it's led by David Beasley, the former governor of South Carolina, won a Nobel Prize last year. Last year, they assisted 91 million people with meals. 91 million people with meals. $11 billion in aid. South Carolina's budget is a little less than that. Uh, but that one program... Uh, through the U.S. and through contributions. Uh, and U.S.-based churches give over $50 billion in contributions. And probably 4 to $5 billion of that goes to global and local missions. So all that to say is we live in a land of freedom where we can do that kind of stuff and that we can make a blessing. So we celebrate the gift of America. Now we know, we all know, we can all agree that our nation needs prayer. Amen? Our nation needs healing. And the greatest hope for our nation is for citizens to be in a right relationship with God. That's the only hope we have in our nation is for citizens to be in a right relationship with God. We don't need more legislation, right? We need more transformation. We need godly restoration and holy transformation. Now, First Timothy, I shared this with our men on Friday morning in prayer. The first thing I want you to do is pray, says Paul. 
Pray every way you know how for everyone you know. Pray especially, hear this, for rulers and their government to rule well. Did you pray that today? Did you pray for rulers and governments to rule well? That is the way our Savior God wants us to live. Now, I believe as we move into a service of healing, we need to pray for the healing of our nation. We need to pray for the healing of division, the healing of resentment, the healing of unrighteousness within our nation. And I love these words from Revelation 22. At the end of the Bible, then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month and the leaves and the leaves, listen to this, and the leaves of the tree are for what? For the healing of the nations. God wants to heal the nations. It goes on to say no longer will there be any curse. Amen? There's coming a day there won't be any curse. And we battle a curse all over the globe. And we'll talk about that a little bit when we talk about healing this morning. The throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. I want us to take a moment before we pray for our own needs and the needs of friends and family. Let's pray for our nation. Can we do that? Can we pray for healing in our nation so that God continue to use this nation to bless the world? Let's pray together. Our Father God, hear our prayers right now on behalf of our nation. Scripture tells us that we need to pray for the rulers, the government. And Lord, and we, we know we're worshiping here freely because we live in a land of freedom. We thank you for the men and women who, who protect freedom, not just here in America, but all over the globe. And Lord God, we pray that you would bring spiritual healing to our nation. We pray for spiritual healing for our rulers. We pray that you would forgive us for our unrighteousness as a nation. And Lord God, that you would look down upon us and have mercy. And Lord, we thank you that we, you are using us to be a blessing, but we know, Father God, that if th this nation is fully surrendered to you, that we can be an even greater blessing to the world. So God, hear our prayer this morning on behalf of this nation and the nations of the world for healing. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, as we get into the rest of this message, I, I wanna let you know that I'm gonna be going very quickly and it's a teaching and a lot of scripture. So at the welcome desk, we, I've made available my notes. I know you'll just run there. You just don't get up right now and get them. Uh, I know you're anxious to go get these. But, uh, uh, but these are just, if you want additional resources, because I'm gonna go quickly and in healing, uh, is, is sometimes a, a hard thing to understand, the, the ministry of healing. And, and there's a lot of bad theology about healing and that kind of stuff. I, it reminds me when I was in, uh, uh, out of college and I was working at Lakewood Campground, uh, working in the golf hut at the Putt-Putt Golf Course. And when I was growing up at seven, I had to find I had to have glasses and they were really thick glasses and I never wanted to wear glasses. I hated glasses. And so I, I couldn't wait till I could get contacts. Well, we couldn't afford to get contacts. Uh, and so... I ended up ordering contacts online, I mean, not online, in the mail, right? I, I found an ad in a magazine, and, and I could only afford to buy one pair. So I had to go to Columbus, Ohio, and get my eyes checked, and then they mailed me the contact, right? And these are glass contacts, right? Now, these are not, you know, little fancy, you know, little things you got now. These are the real things, right? And so I had to have my friend teach me how to put my contacts in. 
And uh, it, was, it was not good. But anyway, all that to say, uh, I could only afford one pair. I always wanted two pair because you got to have a backup pair, right? Because when you order them in the mail, it takes a long time for it to get there. So finally, finally, when I went to work in Myrtle Beach, I was, uh, I'd, I finally had saved up enough money to buy two pairs of contacts, you know? You're at the beach, you know, you got to look good. You know, you don't want to be wearing thick glasses. You got to have your contacts in, right? And uh, hadn't met Lynn yet. So, yeah, you know, I was, anyway, all that to say, uh, I'm, I'm on the way to work one morning and early 7 a.m. And, and I get to where I'm working at and I realized that my shaving kit, that my two pairs of contacts was missing, not gone. You know, I'd lost both pairs of contacts. And so I hear him at the beach, no contacts. So, so I went back and walked up and down Highway 17 for like four hours trying to find my precious um, two pairs of contacts. Never found them. So I assumed that God wanted to heal my eyes, right? Hey, he's wanting to heal my eyes. This is all good. God's going to heal my eyes. I'm not going to need contacts. It's going to be great. So I sit there at the golf hut, you know, and I squint, you know, I think they're getting better. I think they're getting better. I think they're getting better. And they never got better. Because I was stupid and lost my contacts, God wasn't going to automatically give me a miracle and heal my eyes, right? But the good news is, is 20-some years later, God used a medical procedure called LASIK uh, to heal my eyes, right? So I no longer wear contacts. Praise be to God. This is great. It's wonderful. Uh, and one day, you know, whenever I have cataracts, they'll do that, and it was all good. So anyway, but I had bad theology, right? Bad theology. You know, in addition to national healing, there are three other types of healing, spiritual, emotional, physical healing. Someone this morning came and prayed for spiritual healing. They'd been away from church for a long time. And they came and knelt down right over here to, to, to my right. And they said, I want to reconnect with God. That happened in that moment. That, that happened in that instant. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us then, in that moment. So spiritual healing is available for everyone here today. But I believe God wants us to also pray for emotional healing. People came this morning to pray for emotional healing, and some came to pray for physical healing. And sometimes there's a connection between spiritual healing and emotional and physical health. And so I want to mention that to you this morning as we teach our way through this. A spiritual pain can lead to emotional and physical pain. Because we were out of connection with God, out of relationship with God, it can affect us a lot of ways. These words from uh, David are, are very somber words, but I believe somebody listening today is going to connect with these words and need what David is calling for here in Psalm 38. Let me read it to you. He says, my guilt overwhelms me. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins, I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me, and my health is broken. I am exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord? You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly, my strength fails, and I am going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Sound like COVID? Even my own family stands at a distance. David captures the anguished heart. Maybe from guilt. Maybe from disease. Maybe from grief. God hears your anguished heart. Now, the Lord gave me this... Uh, Wonderful statement. They gave me the first part, and I felt so good about the part. Then I went to uh, 
my granddaughter, Harper Grace, a gymnastics practice, and, and, and her gymnastic coach, Melody, who may be here today, gave me the other part of it, but I love this statement. This is the, this is the word for somebody listening today. Pain can lead to chains, or pain can lead to change. Pain can cause chains to control your life, consume your life, bind you up, or pain can lead to change in your life, supernatural change. See, God don't believe that God wants you in chains. God doesn't want his people in chains. In fact, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to announce that captives shall be released and the blind shall see and the downtrodden shall be freed from their oppressors and that God is ready to give blessings to all who come to him. This morning, do you want to come to God and receive a blessing? A blessing, healing, transformation. So what, what are the sources of our pain? And this could be a long, long sermon. We don't have time for that today, but I want to give you four quick sources of our pain. The first source of our pain is living in a broken creation. We live in a broken world. The creation is groaning. Uh, these words from Paul, Romans 8. For we know that even the things of nature, like animals and plants, suffer in sickness and death as they wait for this great event. And even we Christians, although we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory, also groan to be released from pain and suffering. People here today listening grown to be released from pain and suffering. We too wait anxiously for that day when God will give us our full rights as his children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Bodies that will never be sick again. Bodies that will never die. And these key words right here, hear this. Living in a broken world. We are saved by trusting. And trusting means looking forward to getting something we don't yet have. For we must keep trusting God for something that hasn't happened yet. It teaches us to wait patiently and confidently. We live in a broken world where bad things happen to good people. Sometimes there is no explanation. There are people that are battling cancer, battling uh, mental illness, battling diseases that is a product of a broken world. And, and, and I call some of those things, or I, I think some of those things should be called natural evil. You know, where hurricanes and, and, and earthquakes and, and famines come across the land, natural evil that lead to destruction. What happened in Miami, right? With this, uh, the, the condominium that fell. You know, we don't know what caused that yet. There'll be a long investigation, but it could be natural evil. It could be that, the, that, that a sinkhole formed under the foundation. It could be that, that there was some sort of you know, movement of the sands, you know, whatever. Structurally, something happened in the, it, down in the earth. But also, it could be moral evil because somebody could have cut corners and not taken care of the right kind of con in construction. But there are hundreds and hundreds of people that are grieving today because of a disaster that happened. Innocent people living in a broken world. So the key word is here from... Romans that I want you to take to, the, to prayer with you this morning. When you come praying this morning, is trust. Will you trust God? Will you trust God that there is something 
God is going to do in this, something God is going to do for you, something better that's coming. Now, the second source of pain is pain trains us for holiness. Pain trains us for holiness. We don't like this one. We like holiness. Hey, I'd like to be a better person, but I don't want to have any pain that will, that will help bring that about. Hebrews says it this way, Hebrews 12. So hold on through your sufferings. Hold on through your sufferings because they are like a father's discipline. God is treating you as children. Our fathers on earth disciplined us for a short time in the way they thought was best. But God disciplines us to help us so we can become holy as he is. Pain that leads to holiness. And here's the key word. When we are in a place of pain, and let's think of, the, for example, the biblical person of Job. Job was in a place of pain. I mean, the whole book is about his pain. But yet God was using that pain to change him, not to chain him, but to change him. And today, maybe you're going through pain and God is using that to change you. And again, sometimes I believe we linger too long in pain because we refuse to change. We don't, do, we don't listen to what God is trying to clearly say to us about change in our life. So the key word here, when you come to pray about pain that is perhaps God is using to, to bring, bring transformation and holiness is obedience. Will you pray for obedience in the pain? that God is using that to change your life. There was a young 18-year-old soldier who gave his testimony as a Christian, and he used his boots, his army boots, to illustrate. He called on the boots, trust and obey, the left and right boot of the Christian life. In the midst of suffering, trials, struggle, long hikes, we need to remember to trust and obey. There's no other way. You know, deliverance means to be set free from mental and emotional pain, even if the circumstances don't change, right? That, that we find peace in the storm. Jesus is with us in the storm, not after the storm is over. And, and part of traveling through pain is knowing that he is with us in the pain. We often ask God to deliver us from our problems instead of asking God, what are you trying to teach me in this problem? So let's trust that God is working in our life. Let's be obedient to God's purpose and plan. But then there's two other kinds of evil. Uh, and I would classify those as moral evil or sources of pain. It's a pain from the evil choices of others. That others make evil choices that cause us pain. And there are people listening today that are in pain because of something evil that someone did to you or a byproduct of evil in some way. Just this morning, uh, uh, Officer Barrett, Lee Barrett was here, and on his way here, uh, he came across a 70-year-old woman who had just been hit by a car, and she was laying in the street. This was this morning, not far from here, you know, and, 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 and he was there to care for her and call an ambulance, but her life has been changed because somebody did something evil. It was a hit and run. They never stopped, and they left her there in the road, and, and some of you have been left in the road because of what something some, something that somebody has done to you. And, and what's the word as you come to pray about that and pray for God to heal your pain in the midst of that? As I would say, your word needs to be uh, uh, forgiveness, you know? Will you, will, you, will you forgive? Will you forgive? I think of the word of Joseph, right? From Genesis, 
who was sold into slavery by his brothers and he had all kinds of trials in his life. And when he finally reconciled with his brothers, what did he say to them? You meant this for evil, but God is gonna use it for good. And that requires forgiveness. And then the fourth kind of pain, a source of pain, is the pain from our own evil choices. That we make choices that are outside of the will of God. Jesus said this in John eight thirty four. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. But if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So this morning, there are people listening right now. You're listening this morning. Perhaps it is your pain is brought about by your choices. The choices you're making with your life is leading to pain. And I would say your, your, your prayer key this morning is to repent. Is to repent. Is to ask God to forgive you for the choices that you're making or the pain you're causing someone else because of the choices that you're making. But don't leave it there because I want to give you another word. The word is replace. Replace the sin. Replace the wrong. Replace the evil with what is holy. You you just can't repent. You got to invite God into your situation, into your life. In a Bible study, in a devotional reading, in accountability partners, in serving God. Here's a very interesting scripture from Matthew 12. Jesus says this. When a defiling evil spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis, some unexpected soul. It can be devil. When it doesn't find anyone, it says, I go back to my old haunt. On return, it finds the person spotlessly clean, clean, but vacant. Boy, that's a strong, strong word, but vacant. They repented, but they didn't fill the gap. They didn't fill the hole with holiness, the things of God. Vacant. It then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits, even more evil than itself, and they all move in. The person ends up far worse off than if he had never gotten cleaned up in the first place. And then Jesus says this, that's what this generation is like. You may think you've cleaned out the junk from your lives, gotten ready for God, but you haven't listened to the message, and now all the devils are moving back in. Boy, it's a strong word, isn't it? Because you didn't surrender to me, because you didn't replace what you repented of, all the devils are moving back in, consumed. So repent and and replace it with the power and the presence of God in your life. Now, I want you to know this, that one of the life's greatest mysteries, which I believe is pain and suffering, was revealed, a solution was revealed in God's mighty act, God's mightiest act. What was that? is that God came into our pain. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into our pain. He came into our pain, in our world to suffer. He came into our world to be crucified so that we could come boldly to his throne for help in our time of need. God didn't stay away from our pain. He came into our pain. And if you know anything about the life of Jesus, you know he suffered and bled and died for the sins of the world. So I want to close and just tell you a story from Luke 7. Luke 7, where uh, Jesus does some miracles, because I believe today Jesus wants to do some miracles. Uh, The first story in in Luke 7 was about a a Roman centurion. A centurion was someone over 100 soldiers. They were, again, they were despised by the Jews because they were oppressors. But this Roman centurion had heard about Jesus, and, and he knew that Jesus could help him. 
and his servant was sick. And so this centurion sent word for Jesus to come to his house so that he could heal his servant. And so Jesus starts walking toward this centurion's house. I'm sure, you know, several mile walk. And on the way there, the centurion sends this word. Hey, Jesus, you don't need to come to my house for my servant to be healed. You just say the word. You say the word and my servant will be healed. Now, this is a Roman soldier who says that about Jesus. Listen to what Jesus says about the Roman soldier. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Today, throughout the morning, when I was praying with people, they came as centurions. They came and said, would you pray for my brother? Would you pray for my friend? Would you pray for my neighbor's kid who ran away from home? They were acting out as centurions. I believe Jesus heard their faith and I believe Jesus is gonna work in mighty ways. But then 25 miles away in the city of Nain is a second story. There's a woman crushed with grief and she doesn't know who Jesus is. Verse 11, soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along, along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person, a dead person, say that, a dead person, was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now, what that meant was this woman had lost everything. She had no way to have any income because her husband was dead, and now her only son was dead. And a large crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. And he went up and touched the buyer. They were carrying him on the bed, and the bearers stood still, and he said, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. The dead man sat up and began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. You see the contrast in those two stories? The centurion servant was sick. The woman of Nain's son was dead. The centurion didn't meet Jesus. Jesus met the woman where she was. Great faith led to a healing of a servant. Compassion, the compassion of Jesus results in a resurrection. Let me ask you, would you rather have resuscitation or resurrection? I'll take resurrection every single time. Because if you have been resuscitated back to life and you don't know Jesus, what good has it done you? And Jesus said, if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what does it gain you? So I say all that to say there is no magic formula when it comes to healing. There's not a faith, faith healing without formula. There, there is no formula. The, 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 the woman didn't even know who Jesus was. Didn't ask for her son to be raised from the dead. Jesus was moved with compassion and did a mighty act, a miracle, a sign, a wonder. I believe today that there are people in the room listening in the other service and in this service who maybe don't even know Jesus. But they came here and they felt the compassion of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ began to change their life through a miracle, through a healing, through a sign, through a wonder. I believe that God always heals the believer in, 
in Jesus. What I mean by that is that God sometimes heals physically, emotionally, spiritually. Let's talk about emotional, spiritually, emotional and physical. That God always heals emotionally and physically. Not always. I'm getting it right here, man. Back up. That sometimes God heals emotionally and physically instantly. In a, in a moment, sometimes God heals physically and emotionally gradually over time. Maybe through its medical procedure, maybe through treatment. But God always heals in eternity. We have a, a lady in our church, and we have several people in our church who are sick. One person is near death. I prayed with him on Friday in a few hours, this person will no longer be battling cancer. They will be completely healed of cancer as they step into eternity with total cleansing, a place where there's no more sickness and no more death, no more crying. And we have that hope Paul wrote about in Romans 8. I know that God wants to move in those mighty ways. You know, the scripture goes on to say in Luke 7, and at that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied uh, to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. You know, I believe that God, I know that God wants to do signs and wonders. You know, when we make space in our lives, make space in our church for signs and wonders, signs and wonders lead to stories, and stories lead to salvation. This morning, I know just in a few moments, I prayed with someone who now has a story. God did a miracle in their life. The fact that they were here on this day was not a coincidence. It was a divine incident that God initiated. As we go to a time of prayer, we're gonna have these three stations and you can go here at one of these three stations and someone will meet you there and we will anoint you with oil and you will tell us what it is you want to be prayed for or who you're coming to pray for. And we're going to ask God to do a miracle. We're going to ask God in his compassion to, to fall upon you in a powerful way. Signs and wonders for God's glory, God's purpose, for salvation to happen. Before I do that, I want to pray for the people that are watching online. We've got a lot of people on this holiday weekend watching online. Would you pray for them as well? Let's pray together for all the people watching online right now. I don't know what the need is. I don't know what the pain is. But Jesus sees them, just like he saw the woman of name. Father God, I lift up everyone watching online that's not in the room here. And Father God, I know that you see them wherever they are. And God, you know the pain that they're in the midst of, where it's a relational pain, a physical pain, a spiritual pain, an emotional pain. And Lord God, is right now in this moment, I pray that in the strong name of Jesus Christ, that you will bring resurrection power into their life, into their family, into a marriage, into a broken relationship between a parent and a child. Lord, that you would move in a mighty way. And Lord God, that, that what happens today 
in that person's life, that family, that will lead to salvation, that will lead to a story, a testimony of your power and your might. And we ask all this to happen in the strong name of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. And it's his name I pray, amen and amen.